0: We are back uh, with another episode of that verbal cardio. I got my co-host, Water. You know what I'm saying? Let me take a swig. People been clowning my little my little water jug, Afro. They'd be like, man, he's drinking out of a, a gas can. A, a, you know, a well, you know what I'm talking about, a tank. Listen, I'm drinking out of Thor's Hammer. That's what I like to call it. Thor's Hammer, that's what I'm doing. Always got the water on deck. Thank you, Afro Geeks, for the gift. I love it. Um, And y'all know me, man. You know, I'll be rep- representing on the gifts. I'll be like, yes, this, I'm using it. Water is the best thing to ever have been created in the history of mankind. I can't think of a better creation. Um, You know, you could argue that, you know, the land that we're standing on and this, that, and the third, water is better than all that, man. It's better than everything. It's better than whatever you into right now It's better than all that, man. Make sure you're drinking a lot of water. Drink it every day, all day. Get your room temp water in. Drink multiple, multiple, multiple bottles if you got to do that. If you're tall enough, if you're big enough, get a gallon a day. Get that water in. Life is not possible without water. You know what I'm saying? So come on, respect it. Stop stop acting like water is a burden to y'all. That's why I be getting mad. It's just, it's just, respect it, man. Come on, man. Water, man. I love you. I love you. Water, if you're listening. Water, if you're watching and listening. I love you. H2O, you my favorite. Water is my favorite. Shout out to my, my patron saints. My Patreon crew is in the building as we live and breathe on this beautiful podcast, Verbal Cardio. Marie, Damn Eyes, The Chatterbox, Miss Incredible, Afro Geeks, Terrence Chambers, Simpson J Cat, Nana P, uh, Jerome, Slarita, Jerome, Tiki, uh, Alicia. You know what I'm saying? Damn eyes kiyomi uh, Julia, Sabrina Sith is in this thing, man. King Panda, Mishi Cakes, Carmen, uh Pullen. Eric Payne, man, I appreciate y'all, man. I appreciate y'all a great deal. I love y'all passionately in the shower. We got another episode of Verbal Cardio going on. Went to uh, went to Keon's yesterday for a little Memorial Day fun. Um, let me tell you this about Uno, the game of Uno, okay? There's a lot of discrepancy about the rules of Uno, UNO has made a lot of modifications in how they do their game. They've been adding a lot of different rules that people have made up and that UNO was bullied into changing. They got, like, big cars. They got the regular cars. They got all these kind of fancy UNO. I came up in the old school UNO, the original old school UNO. That's me. You know what I'm saying? The uncanny UNO. UNO is not complicated. Here are the rules to UNO. You play a game, you got numbers zero through nine, okay? Um, you got numbers zero through nine, and then you have what I like to call business cards, which are skip, reverse, draw two, wild, and the wild draw four. Those are the business cards. Um, so it's kind of like it's, it's really not that much different than regular playing cards where you got the – because the regular playing cards you got – you got two through ten, and then you got the face cards, the jack, the queen, the king, and you got the ace, and then you got the the joker, the big joker and the little joker, depending on what you're playing. So Uno, it's a color-based game as well, so you have to match the colors. You put it, all right, the dealer deals the cards, they put the card down, whatever color On the first card down, you have to honor that color or you have to match the number or the business card that you see in order to play. If you don't have what's laid before you, you pull a card. I grew up playing you pull one card when it's your turn. Either you can play on the card that's laid out or you can't. If you can't play, you lose a turn. All you did was pull. Now, some people play, you keep pulling until you can play. I don't play that way. I don't like that way because it can make the game super long when you have a big group of people. If you're sitting there pulling eight cards, it's just going to make everything longer, okay? Um, So I don't play that way. I play you pull a card. If you can't play, you lose your turn. It goes to the next person. Now... There's another way people play. They call it stacking. I don't play with the stack. Okay, the stack is, let's say I hit the person next to me with a draw two. Hit you with the draw two. Now let's say you were next to me. I hit you with the draw two. If you had a draw two in your hand, instead of you drawing two like you were supposed to do, you can then put another draw two down so the person next to that person now has to draw four unless they have a draw two of their own. I don't play that way. So now the person across the table that wasn't even near ground zero, now they got to draw eight cards because of the stupid stack rule. I don't play that way. Now you got hit with the big stack. No. And then there's another way people play where if you got multiple colored nines and the nine, a blue nine was down, let's say you got a yellow nine, a green nine, and a red nine, you could put all three of those nines down in one shot. No, we're not doing this. We're not doing this. I'm a Uno traditionalist, okay? I'm a Uno traditionalist out here. You pull one. When it's your turn, you can't play what's down. You pull one card. Either you can go or you can't. Then you move on. If I play the draw two, if I play the draw two, guess what? The person next to me just going to have to draw two. And then the person that had to draw two, they lost their turn because they had to draw two on that turn. And then the next person can play. That's how I I do it. And I do the challenge rule in UNO. If you put down a draw four, you can be challenged on the draw four. This is an actual rule, people. This is an actual rule. It's in the game. You can challenge somebody, they hit you with a draw four. If they had the color that was there before they laid the draw four, you can challenge and be like, oh, I think you got a blue in your hand. I think you could have played instead of putting down that draw four. So you challenge them. If they have the blue, if they could have played the blue instead of the draw four, they take back that draw four and they draw four more cards. If you are wrong in your challenge, then you draw six cards. So that's how I do. That way, because anybody can hit you with the draw four at any point in time, if you don't have that challenge in place. They could just hate on your whole life with the draw four. But if you be like, no, nah, I challenge you, you could have played the red. Then you, boom, you got him. I was hitting sincere with the coldest challenges last night. He tried to get your boy and he was just laying. I can see the panic in his eyes. He had like he had like nine cards in his hand, probably like 10 or 11. I was like, you mean to tell me you ain't got a green in your hand? And I can tell by how you scrambled to draw four off? No, I'm challenging you, playboy. And I want every challenge on his, on his dome piece. I don't care if that's my son, man. You're getting challenged. You're getting challenged every time. Man. Look out. Big black energy. Shout out to Kev on stage, his new merch. Big black energy. Get in on these, man. Uh, they don't sell now. Um, but that's how I play Uno, man. I'm a Uno traditional. They call me a tight ass. They, they claim that I'm making the rules up when these were the original rules. Y'all adding on all this stacking bullshit. No, man. When y'all out here pulling mad cards and everybody getting stacked on and you keep pulling and pulling, them games are going to last forever. And I play where you keep score. You keep score. That way the, the game has to have an ending. If you're playing with a group of seven, you keep score. You set the game max at 250. At the end of each round, everybody adds up the cards in their hand. The, the goal in winning is you got to have the lowest amount of points and then when everybody goes out one by one, you are the final winner. When we played last night, Sabrina was the final winner in our group of eight that were playing. So it's like people were dropping off like flies. And it's just fun. You get eliminated. That's the score. So, And when you keep score, Wilds are worth 50. The other business cards are worth 20. And then the number cards are whatever number value they have on the actual card themselves. So you just add all that up. So we had one hand, Sincere got caught with over 200 points in his hand because he was just getting mopped every chance he got. So, you know. And I don't care how y'all feel about the original rules, man. Don't don't hate the player, hate the game. Y'all can't just be making shit up. Yeah, We're going to stack. That stack BS is trash. Anyway, I just had to get that off my Uno heart real quick. Real quick, real quick. Um... Y'all got any questions for me in the in the Patron Saints section? Uh, Make sure you put that big red question mark so I can see it. Um, I want to talk about women. I want to get on y'all neck for a second and talk about your double standards. Women, y'all be having double standards when it comes to drooling over the opposite sex. Y'all can sit here all day and call men dogs and like this, that, and the third. But when y'all see a sexy man, y'all be woo, yeah, ah, take your shirt off. Y'all be cutting up. Y'all are perverts. Y'all be drooling over the sexy heartthrob. When they take their shirt off, y'all go ape shit in the theater or in the crowd. I was watching an old clip. It was Michael J. White. He posted an old clip when he was on uh, Keenan Ivory Wayans talk show. And he good he got up and then women were like, take this shirt off. Woo, yeah. And I'm like, y'all, y'all are dogs, y'all are pigs, y'all be thirsty, and y'all be crass. Just like men. Y'all, y'all are pervs. I want y'all to own that. I want you to own it. Now, the the only difference between men and women when it comes to that verbal, like, uh, yeah, oh, sexy. Take it off. What you doing? Mm uh yeah i don't know why i'm doing all that the the major difference is is the danger element Now, women they have a valid point where they fear for their own safety we don't have that like we're not scared a woman is gonna pull us in the alley and sexually assault us that's very real and that's the biggest difference but But the ridiculous behavior is there on both sides. Y'all are out here. Y'all be thirsty in comment sections. Y'all be, oh, he's fine. Oh, mm." yeah, y'all be cutting up in comment sections. Y'all be cutting up any type of uh, maybe at a live show. Whatever whatever y'all find sexy, y'all are dogs. And I just want y'all to own that. Don't just put all the perv shit on men. Cause y'all be out here reckless, wild. Y'all be thirst trapping. Y'all be y'all be thirsting after dudes, and sometimes they they spoken for. Y'all don't even care. Y'all be like, he fine. I don't care. This, that, and the third. Y'all be wild out here, and I want y'all to own that. Now I get the the major difference is y'all don't feel safe when you're walking on the street. I totally get that hundred percent. But just don't act like y'all don't be out here acting a damn fool either when you see something you like. I just wanted to get that off my nipples real quick because y'all, some of y'all be sitting up here acting like y'all ain't never been reckless in the verbiage on, you know, sex appeal and finding somebody sexy and whatnot. I, you know, I just had to pull your coattails on that and throw y'all on the grill because y'all be out here wild with it, man, all right? Want to throw y'all on that grill. DMX's new album drop. Um, a lot of people don't like posthumous albums. A lot of people always immediately go to it's a money grab. Here's the thing. The DMX album was already in the works before he passed. So it wasn't like they cooked up an album uh just because he died. That that wasn't the case. They were already this this album was already happening. You know what I'm saying? So it just so happens that you know his death was untimely, like nobody expected it. So, don't sit here and act like you know it was a big cash grab for you know. Uh, oh man, X died. Let's cook up an album real quick. But no, that's not what they did here. So, get an album a chance. Don't just be. Don't just write it off because you think they're trying to take advantage of them. You know what I mean? I don't think it's that kid. Now, I can't speak to the to the details of the record deal and like you know how they're going to allocate you know, the funds for royalties and all that, but the album was already in effect. It was going through. DMX was working on it, ready to put the album up. I was looking at, like, some interviews with Swiss Beats after he passed, and he was just telling stories about, um, you know, X getting prepared to, you know, get the album released, get it going, and, like, you know, making the rounds, trying to, you know, get his name out there, get his face out there to get people ready for another album. So, um, the album is cool. It's got some tracks on there. I feel like the Jay-Z Nas track is way superior than the Jay-Z Nas track that's on DJ Khaled's album. That's Sorry Not Sorry, I love Jay and Nas. I love them. But that song to me was kind of boring, that Sorry Not Sorry song. Um, I listened to it a couple times. It was just a little bit too slow and too chill for me. Um, and then I wasn't a fan of the chorus, even though I like, uh, the Fauntleroy guy. Um, it just, it just didn't really resonate with me like that. And, uh, but this song Bath Salts on DMX's album, it's got Jay and Nas on there. I like this a lot better. The beat, the beat is probably like three saxophones out of five. But the the raps though, the raps Nas's verse on bath Songs is right, and they say they say that this track was uh, might have been supposedly for life is good, if I read that correctly. So it's an older track, but Nas killed it on this one, and I was just like yo, this this was the song that I was waiting on. Uh, Dmx has a song with the locks that I enjoy, and he has a song. He has another song featuring Nas, "Walking in the Rain," that I like, and he has a song with Griselda, which is Conway, Benny the Butcher, and Westside Gun that I really like. So those three songs I kept on ro- rotation this weekend. So just just get a Dmx album a chance if you haven't already. There's some tracks on there. Um, it's not it's not an 100 banger, and it's not like Dmx in his prime. But it's solid though. It's solid. It's worth it's worth a stream. You know what I'm saying? So pull up on DMX for the one time. You know what I'm saying? Shout out to DMX, man. We miss you out here. Um, let me let me tap into the questions from the patron saints. Am I seriously thinking about moving to ATL? LD Scott asks. Man, here's the thing with me. Everywhere I go, I think about what if I lived here. What if I lived here? Could I live here? This is nice. And then I'm looking at the prices compared to Cali. And I'm just like, everything is overpriced here in Southern California. Everything is goddamn overpriced. It's one of the most expensive states in the country. And you get frustrated with that. Like, I don't want to be settling just to just to say I live in Cali. I'm not in love with Southern California enough to be like, well, I got some in Cali. Like, so when I go to cities like Atlanta or, you know, everywhere I go, I'll be like, man, what's the prices here, man? Um, you get your money's worth in Atlanta, so I get excited. Like, I get excited, like, yo, I could live here. I could, I could do this. I can get my money, because I am obsessed with moving. I'm so sick of my cams has been to my apartment. It's trash. It's just a basic two-bedroom joint with dirty carpet. It's so the couch in there is just a couch that I hate that I'll only have just so the cats can get their little whatever whatever feel they need to get from tearing up furniture, they can do it on this couch. I'm throwing it away, and I'm pissing on it. I'm walking away from it as it burns in the background, Angela Bass's style. The second I move, I want that couch to blow up behind me like man on fire.
1: You I'm may, not bringing the you couch.
0: You may want to turn part of it into a scratching post because now that they scratch on it, they're going to scratch on all furniture oh because my God. they're used to now scratching on furniture. Ugh. So you either have to train them not to yeah, or keep a portion of that couch as a scratching post for you. Oh, my God. See? I might not even get a couch. And the only thing is, Midnight is the only one that scratches the couch. Dapper doesn't do it. But Dapper scratches this part of the carpet he's not supposed to be scratching up. He done pulled it up. I'm just like... Mind you, the apartment complex is way overdue on on replacing the carpet anyway. So Dabs has a good point. But they have scratching posts. They got, a scratch, they got multiple. They got the cat motel that they sleep on scratching posts. They got another separate scratching post. Then they got another flat scratching post in the corner by the food. I'm just like, yo, why are you on the couch doing this? They probably were raised when they were really little. Mm-hmm. But you got them when they were kittens. We got them when they were fresh out. That's true. Yeah. Dapper, Dapper was super fresh out. And then midnight, you know, he hung around for like an extra week or two, but... They got no good excuse, Cam. Well, they, if they, they scratch on whatever they grow up scratching on as kittens, mm-hmm. they'll scratch on for the rest of their life or they'll go to that first. Yeah. So because he was raised, he probably started doing it as a kitten. Yeah. And he wasn't prevented from doing that enough that now he's kind of locked in. Oh, my God. Sick of it, man. So I'm. that's why I've been scared to get a new couch because I don't want them tearing it up. But, you know, varnish is expensive. And so it's just like, and that couch, I don't care what happens to that couch because I just got it from Keenan. I was just like, it's a it's a hand-me-down couch. So it's just like, I was never attached. It's raggedy. It's uncomfortable. It's just big. It takes up the whole living room. But I am obsessed with moving. And so when I go to Atlanta, I'm like, yo, how much is this? I'm looking at the prices. I'm looking at the, the size you get for the price. And it's would, just like. Would you live in multiple locations? Like, would you have a place here and then a place oh, yeah. in Atlanta? So oh, Yeah. yeah. If I if I had if my money was if my money was super right, I would definitely have multiple locations. And if I was if I was big breaded, I would have a house in Atlanta, Chicago, I would want some in New York, and then Seattle or Portland. If I can get those spots, boom, boom, pal, I'd be good to go. And then I guess something here. But you know, I prefer San Diego over here. I really prefer the Bay Area over That's down fine. here. That's But the Bay Area is even more ridiculous than down here. So it's just like, man, sick of it, man. So that's why I'm really thinking about, yo, Atlanta, you get your money's worth. It's popping. It's filming going on on there. It's it's culturally relevant. Uh, It's just a dope vibe in Atlanta. So Atlanta was looking super attractive to me. So, you know, that's why I was thinking about moving to Atlanta. Uh, Jerome asks, did I see D.C. Youngfly, uh, the D.C. Youngfly heckler sock out? How would you handle that situation? So, uh, apparently, D.C. Youngfly, uh, dope comedian, uh, shoot comedy superstar right now. Shout out to uh, D.C. Youngfly, Chico Bean, Carlos Miller. Uh, the 85 South show is amazing. Uh, and I'm glad they had us on, had a great time. Uh, D.C., He was in the Bay Area at Tommy T's this weekend and apparently somebody tried to get on stage and he socked him out. So he socked socked dude out. Uh, I didn't see footage of the actual sock out. I just saw the immediate aftermath. He had that. DC had that expression on his face like. I just some I just socked somebody out face. That's the face. Like, you know, what I'm saying when that video started, you know, he had that. When you when you steal on somebody, you have a certain look on your face. He had that look, like it was just he was fresh off the piece. I call it the post peace face. You just piece somebody out, and then you got that 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 face. He had the post peace face, and so the PPF, as I like to call it. And you know, there's a lot going on on the stage. So shout out to DC for defending himself. Uh, people, y'all need to realize this. Stop thinking comedians can't fight. Stop thinking comedians can't fight. You might get your feelings hurt or your face hurt. So be careful, choose wisely, and stay your ass off the goddamn stage. And we live in. Let me tell you something about DC Young Fly, man. He's from the hood. He's been through some shit. He said in his comment section, yo, I'm, he's been stabbed before. He's traumatized. A lot of people think, What y'all have to remember about people from the hood, since everything has been glamorized and made to look cool and look fashionable and look in, and yeah, man, this is cool, this, that, and the third, young people, these young, you know, whatever, whether they're in gangs, whether they're on the street, whether they're doing street shit, the majority of them have been traumatized, whether it's by, you know, um, a rough, uh, family upbringing in the home seeing their friends and family uh, getting beat up assaulted stabbed jumped shot killed this is trauma so when they out here with the pistol and they out here on edge and when they out here on 10 they're they're traumatized PTSD. You know, so you can't just be taking that stuff lightly. Yeah, it looks cool, we made it cool. But underneath that, it's serious trauma. You don't know how people are coping with things. And like, you know, seeing people murdered, knowing friends and family that you're close with, they've been murdered, they've been shot and killed, sometimes in front of you. That, that's heavy trauma, man. And so, you gotta understand that, like, even though we made it look cool, it's still real shit underneath that coolness. So keep that in mind. So when I guess when the dude try to come up on stage, it's like, yo, man, I'm out here. I'm not playing with y'all, man. These cats are, cats are out here strapped and ready to defend themselves. You got people coming for them just because they famous or just, just to be hating or whatever. And so, you know, how would I handle that situation? I've never, I've had two guys fight. On stage, They fought each other while I was on stage and they fell at my feet and was still fighting. I didn't even really move back from the fight. I was just like, Oh, these dudes is really fighting because the stage was low. And so they were really fighting down there on my feet. And I was still, you know, I still had the mic in my hand. I was talking. I was like, yo, these cats is really mixing it up in here. Uh, this was years ago in San Diego at moon Doggies. Um And I just stayed right there. Now, if it was somebody coming for me, I really don't know how I would respond. Um, I would like to say, yeah, man, you know what I'm saying? I'd have deal with DCD, you know what I mean? I, I'd have kicked him in his chest first, flipped him over. Then I would have flipped him on the table. Then I would have came in. I would have grabbed one of the plates, you know what I'm saying? Hit him with the plate. Then I would have grabbed the leftover chicken wings poured those on him then i would have got the fries and rubbed the potatoes on his shirt or whatever you know what i'm saying then i would have hollered at his girl and told told her like yo baby girl man you need to you need to stay away from these fake dudes you know what i'm saying get with real you know what i mean you know what i'm saying and if anybody else wants some you can see me on the stage i would like to say i would do all that but i don't know what i would have done in the moment you know what i'm saying i i've learned as i've gotten older i've learned to understand that I don't always know what I'm going to do in any given situation. You know what I mean? Like we, we can all say, Oh, had that been me, had that been me. You know what I'm saying? We could say that all day, but until you in the moment, I don't know what I would have done. I might've hauled off and uh, and pieced him out. I might've pieced him out. I might've grabbed the mic stand and hit him with the mic stand. I might've just stood there and see what he was going to talk about. Once he got up on stage, I don't know. I might have I shoved him in the neck on the way up. Because I've had somebody approach. I, I think I've had somebody come to the stage on me one time, and then they tried to get the mic. I was like, Nah, man, you can't get the mic. I think that was that same night in San Diego. That was the same night in San Diego. Dude, he came on stage, and he was just doing a lot. But I, I never felt threatened physically. I was just like, yo, this dude really trying to get up here. And he tried to go for my mic. And I was like, Nah, man, you ain't getting the mic. And the dude in the front row was just like, man, he was just like, man, get the fuck off the stage, bro. That's what he told him. These was white cats fighting, by the way. He was like, get the fuck off the stage, bro. He had on open-toed shoes and everything, man. He was just tired of the bullshit. Because a lot of times, people in the audience, they don't want the crowd doing this. Stay your ass in the seat. The crowd is there to see the comedians on stage only. They are not here to see the crowd. He was fed up with that dude. He's like, "Man, just get the fuck off the stage, bro." And I was looking at his toes. His toes was moving when he said that. I was like, "Oh, with the open toe." And so, he was like, "Man, get the fuck off the stage." And the dude was like, "Fuck you, bro." And then it was just like, and from then on, it was only and popping. And I was standing there like, "Oh, it's only popping." So, but I don't know what I would have done. I could have done I could have done any number of things. I could have roasted the shit out of the dude. I could have stole on him. I could have kicked him. Um, I honestly don't know how I would have responded. It depends on how it would have went. Because I, I don't know exactly how it escalated into that. Like, I don't know how the dude was acting before he tried to get up there. Like, I don't know those details. So that that all plays a factor, too. Like, you know... It depends on what led up to the come up to the stage. Because he might have had me angry by the time it got to that point. So when he did come up, I might have been ready to sock him out. Steal on him real quick. Piece him. Let him fall back. And then after I piece him, shove him, piece him, and then shove him. And then he falls back on the table. And then that's when I'm going to grab the plate. I'm definitely bringing the plates and the food into the equation. I'm bringing that in. Like, I'm going to grab the basket that the wings and the fries came in on. If if some chips, I might put the chips on. If he had on the white tee, I'm going to make sure the chip grease gets on his shirt. You know what I'm saying? So, so piecing, shoving, plating, condimenting, crumbing with the chips, winging with the wings, and then I'm doing all that. And then I'm going to let him lay there. All that. While looking at his girl or his co his his co-conspirators, whoever he came with, I'm gonna be looking at them the whole time, and then I'm gonna go back to the stage. I'm definitely finishing the show though. I can tell you that with certainty. I'm 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 I'm, la- I'm finishing the show. That's happening. Trust and believe. LD Scott, you say that's a t shirt. What's a t-shirt? Big Gerald energy. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Let me know uh, what's the t-shirt because you know I'm always down for the uh, t-shirt ideas. But you got to do what you got to do, man. You know what I'm saying? Now, Sabrina, are you still in here? I wanted to bring something up real quick. All the piecing, piecing, shoving, and then, you know, plating, condimenting all of that. Sabrina, you still here? Let me see if she's still in the uh in the chatsworth. Uh for those of you that are just listening to the podcast, I got people in Sabrina, okay, so I'm about to talk about uh Ellie Kemper. So just brush me up on exactly what kind of pageant she won so I know what the hell I'm talking about. So if y'all if y'all don't know who Ellie Kemper is, she was one of the leads in the movie Bridesmaids and she's the unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Okay, that's Ellie Kemper. So apparently, apparently, while she was at Princeton, she won some kind of pageant. That was, if I'm not mistaken, if I'm if I, if I'm not mistaken, Sabrina, like a pageant that's pretty much put on by the KKK. Is that is that a uh, is that essentially what it what that pageant was all about? It was like they little debutante ball, if you will. I, I want to make sure I'm getting this correctly before I go on and, and, and fumble up the story. So I'm, wait, I'm I'm just waiting for Sabrina to confirm. So it's the Veiled Prophet, a secret member who wears white robes and a white veil covering his face. Okay, so how was no? It was from her hometown in St. Louis. She was at Princeton at the time. Okay, oh, okay. So she was at Princeton. At, I figured Princeton wouldn't have something like that. So that's my bad on the fumble. So okay, so this was in her hometown in St. Louis, and so the Veiled Prophet—that's the KKK, right? it predates the KKK okay so it's not a p so i guess i guess they have this they used to be exclusive to whites only until 1979 the veil Prophets. the veil Prophet co-founded in the late 1800s by former confederate officer alonzo slayback first of all alonzo Slayback is your name, Alonzo Slayback? First of all, that name sound like a pure Quentin Tarantino creation. Alonzo Slayback, that name is wild as hell. Uh, it's a white secret society I ain't informed on KKK history either, like that. Oh, Sabrina's driving, so she can't give me the scoop. So all right, Um, so I don't know, I don't know all the details really, like that. Um, So, but look up Ellie Kemper. Just Google that. Google the Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt actress, and see what's going on with that. And hopefully she comes out and talks about this because you can't you can't just keep quiet on something like this. Oh, uh Sabrina sent me an article. Let me cue it up. Let me cue it up. All right. So freshman 19 at Princeton University is New Veiled Prophet Queen. Elizabeth Kemper was a top scholar and athlete at John Burroughs High. Wait, hold on. It's a John Burroughs in Burbank. Okay, Elizabeth uh, Claire Ellie Kemper, 19, the 1999 Queen of Love and Beauty, was crowned Thursday night at the Veil Profit Ball in the Promenade Ballroom at the Adams Mark Hotel. Kemper is the 105th young woman to be so honored by the Veil Profit organization. She wore a white satin square neck gown designed by Thomasina and purchased at Saks Fifth Avenue. A freshman at Princeton University, Kemper is the daughter of Mr. and Mrs. David Kemper. She is the granddaughter of the late Brig General and, wait, Brigadier General and Mrs. John R. Janaroni, Janaroni, and Mr. and Mrs. James M. Kemper. David Kemper is chairman and chief executive of Commerce Bank and Commerce Bank Shares Incorporated. James Kemper is a Kansas City banker, okay? In 1998, graduate of John Burroughs High School, Ellie Kemper was a National Merit Scholarship finalist. She is an accomplished athlete in track and field hockey. She made an all-state in both sports and co-captain of the 1997 Missouri State Championship field hockey team. Her interests include running and musical theater. She's also done volunteer work with the St. Louis Crisis Nursery, aim high in Habitat for Humanity. This year's court of special maids includes Laura Elizabeth Nolet. Alright, we don't need the rest of the names. Um, so now you're talking about the other people. So I don't really... Okay, so they're just pretty much giving the info, but the Veiled Prophet Veiled Prophet, man, let me look this up. Because the ad in the paper is not really like uh, Veiled Prophet Ball. Let me look that up. Veiled Prophet Ball. is a debutante ball held uh, each December in St. Louis, Missouri by the Veiled Prophet organization founded by prominent St. Louisianans in 1878. Uh, let me see. Veiled Prophets, huh? Let me see what kind of connections they got. The Origins... We're looking at the origins. Yep, there's Alonzo, Charles Slayback. On March 20th, 1878, Charles Slayback, a grain broker who had spent several years in New Orleans after the Civil War and became acquainted with his Mardi Gras traditions, called a meeting of local business leaders at the Lindale Hotel. Together with his brother, oh, his brother Alonzo, a Confederate Army officer, Slayback created a mythology for a secret elite society whose public demonstrations would coincide with the annual affair. The Slaybacks borrowed the name the Veil vale Prophet of Corrassan from the Irish poet Thomas More's Lala uh, La Rook. They also incorporated features from the mystic crew of Commas of New Orleans. All right, let me scroll down, man. Let's see what the intentions were. I don't see nothing. Oh, hold on. Okay, now we're getting interesting. Okay, this picture of a Veiled Prophet is illustrated in the 1878 edition of the uh, Missouri Republican. It looks very Klan robish. I will say that. It looks like a clown in the Klan robe, actually. It's weird. It's very creepy. Very creepy. Um... Doo-doo-doo. They make this is Wikipedia. They make no mention here of like. Uh, let me see how they select the queen. Um. Oh, they they mentioned queens include the daughters of the most influential members of the organization. In 1999, actor Ellie Kemper was crowned queen of love and beauty. Kemper's father was the CEO and chairman of the bank or whatever. Um. I don't know, man. I think it would behoove them that if they are clan related to keep all of that under wraps. So I would imagine that they wouldn't have that information just free-flowing on the internet, easy to find. But I don't see a lot of mention of that. So I don't know, y'all. I don't know. But it's very interesting. Very interesting. And given that... Given the history and the background of the people involved, and this picture, right? This picture is creepy, man. Like, this picture, I'm gonna put the picture up to the camera, but. No, bring it back. back. Or keep it there. I'll focus it for you. Look at that picture, man. That's some Clan Roby. Oh, yeah, very much. That's some Clan Roby shit right there, man. Definitely Clan Roby, creepy as hell. So you got, imagine the clown in a Klan outfit. That's the double whammy of just terror. Also, uh, what they are not saying is that no blacks were allowed membership until 1979. Mm, big clue there. Big clue there, Monica. Also, it don't even look like it's dope anyway. So, So, you know, fuck that little, you know pageant also uh it's been a hundred years since the tulsa massacre um so if you haven't heard of that look it up look it up i think that's a important part of american history i don't think it should be forgotten or overlooked or buried just like they tried to bury it i started watching this thing on hulu about it a little 30 minute episode and they talked about how immediately after it happened they wanted to bury it all they took it out of articles uh, the whole shebang. Nobody was ever, you know, paid back any damages or anything like that. Um, 1921, Tulsa Massacre, Black Black Wall Street, which they considered it should actually have been the Black Main Street um, in the Greenwood uh, area of Tulsa, Oklahoma. Um, people really didn't know about it. And like people that lived in Tulsa, they weren't They'd be like, it was a 60-year-old man in that show, and he, he wasn't even aware that this even happened in Tulsa until like 2001. And the mayor, the current mayor of Tulsa, said he didn't know about it until about 2000, 2001. And he heard about it, and he was like, yo, did this really happen? He asked his he asked his, grand, his grandparents about it, and he was like, yeah, that, that really happened out here. So they definitely tried to sweep it under the rug. But this is, this is a part of history that should never be forgotten. And you know, and it's just frustrating because, you know, American history, they didn't want us around. They didn't want us around, they didn't want us at their schools, they didn't want us in their businesses. Uh, they low-key wanted the money, though. But they would have us as employees, and this, that, and the third, we don't want you here, go over there, do your own thing. We do our own thing. We create our own businesses. we mind minding our own business, y'all don't want us around, we'll do this over here. We do that, they come tear the shit down. America at its finest, man. America at its finest. And it's just so frustrating. It's so ridiculous. And it's just another part of American history. And this is why the American flag triggers me. The American flag, I don't i don't look at it as a warm blanket for me and people that look like me historically. So although... Although there are many elements of America that I do like, and this is the only place I've ever known pretty much until I started traveling abroad as I got older. But there have been too many, too many blemishes on that flag for me to feel warm when I see it. So, you know, I get, you know, you're proud of your country. You're proud. Maybe you have a lot more to be proud of. Or maybe you, you know, you're an immigrant that came here and this country is better than the country you fled from. You feel like you can really build a life here. And I get that. There's some things about America that are super dope. And I honestly feel like I can do anything out here. I'll give America that. I feel like I can do anything I want to do here. But I just don't feel like the the relationship issues that America has had with people that look like me, uh, Native Americans, you know what I'm saying, Asian Americans when they were getting discriminated against, you know what I'm saying, uh mexican americans i just don't feel like the wrongs were truly rectified addressed talked about um healed and so that's why that flag triggers me and that's just my honest that's just my honest thoughts on it and uh you know a part of me is like yo i appreciate what i can do here and what i have been able to do but at the same time you know what i'm saying we got a lot of stuff we need to talk about and and not on some get over it type shit. So that's why I'm not a big American flag. And and on top of that, you know, when when black folks have fought for this country and went to war, and I don't even like the term fought for this country. World War Two, yes, but like these other wars, it just be Americans meddling in somebody else's shit. So it's not like you're fighting for our freedom. Nobody's coming over here trying to take the freedom from us on our own soil, and then our own soil, even that is triggering. You know what I mean? But it's we out here fighting for our freedom—the freedom to be in other people's shit. So I don't—I don't like that fighting for our freedom. You know, stuff like that. But even when we fought, you know, my grandfather served in the military. He served. He—he—he he, he went. He went and fought in World War II. but then when they come back, they get discriminated against. They get they get treated less than They're color colors only. But I fought for this country. Yeah, yeah, colors only. We got to we got to put our life on the line to prove to you that we're worthy to get your respect now because we fought for the for the country. Nah, man, look out. How about us just being respected on the strength of us being here on the strength of of the legacy of the country? forced over here on slavery ships and they're forced to do you know labor for free, you know. Then once we come out of that, give us the respect on that. Look, like, yo man, y'all did some free work, man. Respect. We give you some land, we give you some bread. How about that? You know, because I I'm not i I'm not a fan of fighting for a country that hasn't really shown the love. You know, no disrespect to to black people that have served in the military but I just don't feel it the same. I don't feel like I, I've been loved and respected like that. You know what I'm saying? And when I say I, I mean my people, the people that look like me, the people that raised me, the people that I consider family and friends, the people that, you know, I connect with on that. The people that look like me that would that would be affected by laws meant to hurt us to keep us back, anything like that. So, you know, when black people don't want to, you know, hop into the military, respect where they're coming from with that. Because, you know, in every country, you'd be like, well, other countries, I'm not talking about other countries right now because I'm not I'm not well versed in the history of other countries. I'm speaking on the one I know and live in and I should be allowed to do that. Everybody should. So, you know, um, if somebody's triggered by the American flag, ask them why instead of just getting triggered on their trigger. Ask them, why do you feel that way? And then they'll hit you... Nine times out of ten with a, a response, you should be able to respect. So, anyway, I just want to say all that, man. I, I want to thank y'all for tuning in to another episode of uh, Verbal Cardio. Shout-out to my patron saints in here live. Shout-out to Cam over here in the booth. Um, We're going to have more episodes coming every week. Every Wednesday we're dropping a new one. And, you know what I'm saying, I'm going to have some guests on here, man. So the guests, the guests will be coming back for sure. It's not going to be a set schedule on the guests. They're just going to be coming in when they come in, but they're going to be coming in. Shout out to D Smoke for being my very first guest. If you haven't seen the D Smoke episode, you really need to tune in. Um, I want to thank you guys so much, man. I love my patron saints passionately in the shower. You know that. Thank you for listening to Verbal Cardio on the regular. Um, Please share it. I want to get the word out. I want to spread the love on Verbal Cardio. I want Verbal Cardio to be popping. So make sure y'all get the word out on Verbal Cardio, man. I appreciate you guys so much. Don't forget to drink more water. And, uh, yeah, man, thank you so much for tuning in to another session of that Verbal